0: Page seven on Yazines, uh reading from Job twenty-eight. There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth, and copper is smelted from ore. Mortars put an end to the darkness. They search out the farthest recesses, for ore is the blackest darkness. Far from human dwellings, they cut a shaft. In places untouched, the earth from which food comes is transformed below as by fire. Lapis lazuli comes from its rocks, and its dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows that hidden path. No falcon's eye has seen it. Proud beasts do not set foot on it, and no lion prowls there. People assault the flinty rock where their hands and lay bare the roots of the mountains. They tunnel through the rock. Their eyes see all its treasures. They search the sources of the rivers and bring hidden things to light. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with the finest gold, nor can its price be weighed out in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Orphea, where precious onyx or lapis lazuli, neither gold n- nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be had for jewels or of gold. Coral and jasper are not worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Kush cannot compare with it. It cannot be bought with pure gold. Where, then, does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. Destruction and death say, only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Then reading from Matthew 6, 19 to 24, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve both god and money this is the word of the lord
1: glasses no idea (laughs) Surprise, surprise. Text is on pages 7 and 8, Job 28. We're going to look at verses 1 to 12 today. uh, And the outline is on page 10, if you're following. Let's pray. Father James, the Lord's brother, says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And so we ask you, our God, for wisdom. We seek it. We seek wisdom, wisdom for life. Wisdom to know how to handle suffering, wisdom to make decisions in complex situations, willing to love when we're hurt, and wisdom really to know you, uh, the wise one, through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. So, as I said earlier, and I presume Will did too, we introduced the topic for uh, 2020, for our teaching series. Uh, today is an introduction. Uh, in fact, the first three weeks is an introduction, and therefore it's a collaborative effort. Uh, no message, I think, and no community group is an end in itself, but rather a journey through the year and beyond. I take it. I want to frame up for the next three weeks uh, as we head to Rivendell. Uh, what the Sundays' teachings are going to be like, and therefore our community groups and indeed our discipleship. We want deeper discipleship in 2020, and part of this will be. relentless pursuit of wisdom. So in 2020, we are mining, you'll see why I use that verb, we're mining for wisdom. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman that we seek out. So we'll be seeking her in 2020, and we'll be doing this together C.S. Lewis said, the next best thing to to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. If you don't think that you're a wise person, wouldn't it be great to have people around you that were wise? Well, you're among friends here, and there's a lot of wisdom in the room, a lot of knowledge of Scripture, a lot of experience of church, including a stack of disappointments, a lot of work, a lot of experience in industry, a lot of you have been in many complex situations uh, friendships, uh, flattening situations, marriages that have been very complex. Um, a lot of you have found paths through them, and you've sought wisdom and mentors through them. There's a lot of wisdom in the room. We are living in a circle of those who are wise. So we're going to begin the year with three weeks in Job chapter 28 which is a masterful and beautiful poem, a 3,000-year-old poem on wisdom sitting right in the middle of a book about suffering and the knowledge of God. And it neatly fits into three parts. That's not the reason I'm doing it. Verses 1 to 11 is one section which raises ancient mining techniques. It says if people value something, if they treasure something, they'll go pursue it. Verses 12 uh, to 20 raises the question of where wisdom can be found, and verses 20 to 28 answers the question of where wisdom can be found. But verse 12 is a a, um, a segue verse between verses 1 to 11 and 12 to 19. Verse 20 is a segue verse. They both ask questions that relate to the section before it and propel you forward. So uh, the series will be verses 1 to 12 this week, then back to 12 to 19, to 20 the following week, and then 20 to 28 on week three, and then we go away on Rivendell. This year as a church, we're mining for wisdom, not for coal, you'll be pleased to know. We're mining because we want to get below, to the essence of things. We want to, if I can quote verse 9, we want to assault the flinty rock with our hands. We'll come back to that in a moment. We want to lay bare the roots of the mountains, we want to get to the root of things. I want to, with you, in a collaborative effort, to tunnel through the rock and find wise paths through complex issues in a world of suffering, I want to put an end to the darkness. To grow in wisdom, to be wise and also to act wise, that's an ontological question, it's also a question of behaviour. I don't know if you've thought this before, but 90% or more of the decisions you make can't be determined by a simple command of God. 99%, who knows, the decisions you make require thoughtful, careful wisdom in community, applying the Word of God, the commands of God, with experience to make wise choices. Think about it, if you're a school teacher, got a bunch of kindergarten kids I mean, in front of you, how does, you know, um, do not commit adultery help? You know, I am do not commit adultery, absolutely, profoundly, but you know, the f- decisions you face every day as a, as a doctor or as a finance guy, or a lawyer or a teacher, a lot of it's just going to require wisdom and it's going to require wisdom from above and I want to deal with topics over the year and You know, one level we want to go deep, deeper discipleship. On another level, if you do too many topics, then you uh, feel like you're dipping in. But I want to deal with the topics like desire. You know, what do you do with greed, that drive within, or sex and other lusts? You know, what do you do with social media? Um, How do you handle it? Uh, Or social issues like climate change on one hand, as well as pornography on the other. How do you move forward into these spaces and speak about them? Well, domestic life, sharing flats, marriage, the prospect of it, the reality of it, divorce, uh, home life, singleness, neighbour disputes. Tell us your topics. There's connect cards at the end of your pews. We want it to be a collaborative effort. Email me, we'll... Um, Connect in and see if we can deal with it. And it won't be just dealt with from the pulpit. This is not an exercise in pulpiteering. You'll be pleased to know, but as you gather and talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ in community groups or in in other groups who want to be together in this topic. Listen closely. I'm going to read a couple of Proverbs to you, which of course we will be picking up at Rivendell. Proverbs 4 verse 7 goes like this. Wisdom is the supreme thing It's the most valuable thing, therefore get wisdom. Don't you love the logic? It's supreme, get it. Though it cost you all you have, get understanding. Cherish her, wisdom that is, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. Eugene Peterson's The Message, which is sort of part quasi-translation and part commentary. He has a go at these verses this way, sell everything you have by wisdom, not that it can be bought, forage for understanding, you like that verb, forage for it, never walk away from wisdom, she guards your life, love her, she keeps her eye on you, above all and before all, do this, get wisdom, write this at the top of your list, I wonder if you thought about using the word bucket there. Write this at the top of your list. Get understanding. Throw your arms around her. Believe me, you will not regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. And that verse there resonates with a whole bunch of you who can recall to mind very easily, in part because you recall it to mind almost every day, some act of folly you did more recently or perhaps in the past, perhaps to do with relationships or in business or some other matter of life and you're like, From this day forward, I want to embrace her. Maybe you embraced her a long time ago because she will make your life glorious. We're going to do an interplay between righteousness and wisdom. Uh, A lot of people say, oh, but this is just a wisdom issue, not a righteousness issue, therefore it's not important. And you're like, are you kidding me? A wisdom issue is less important than a righteousness issue? Where do we get that from? A free pass, it is. Not that I'm the wise one here, far from it, there are many people that can tell you and testify to this truth but rather i want to point you to the wise one to jesus because that's my job so three questions then uh on on job 28 verses 1 to 12 on page 10 of your orders of service what is wisdom what's it worth and what lengths will you go to get it firstly what is wisdom it is the art of doing the right and appropriate thing in any given moment. Now, this is going to be a collaborative effort. I want to change the definition over the year as I interact with you on the matter. So email me, fill out a connect card, put it in the white box, amend the definition. Wisdom is the art of doing the right and appropriate thing in any given moment, especially in complex moments, which means reading the time. It does mean that... One activity might be wise in one moment and unwise in the next. Will Durant explained Immanuel Kant's philosophical position in this way. He said, science, very important science is, science is organised knowledge. Wisdom is organised life. It's to put life together in a way in which you can do life better. Making sense of living, therefore living sensibly especially in sin and suffering. Now, a Christian that's a follower of Jesus, which is not everybody here in the room today, you don't get it by being born or by being Australian or by being nice or by having middle-class values. You get it because you repent and believe and you follow Jesus Christ. For a Christian, wisdom is understanding how God puts life together in creation and in redemption with all the promises of God fulfilled in Christ, propelling us forward to the resurrection. Why was the thing created? What's it for? What are the intentions of God in this? I'm done with the imaginations of my own mind, where I impose on God uh, what a wise thing is and ask Him what wisdom is. We're looking for wisdom from above, not from below and certainly not from my own heart. Wisdom for a Christian is to do life the way God intended life to be done. It's not just about obeying rules that are clear. In theory, anyone can do that. Although we find it hard, we need power from above. It's about making wise decisions in any given difficult moment, and it's a major theme of the Bible. Last week, I quoted Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's so good, I'll quote it again. He makes the point that the accumulation of knowledge can't be the answer... Rather, the answer is perceiving, seeing the essential nature of things. What is a human being? Who is God? What is the earth? And how do I relate to it? It's to see the essential nature of things, to lay bare the mountains. We'll come back to that. He says this, to understand reality is not the same thing as to know about outward events, to read the paper, although reading the papers might be a good idea. It is to perceive the essential nature of things. So, the best informed man, S I C, older writing, the best informed man, the person with PhDs, etc., is not necessarily the wisest. You know, a person with PhDs might be profoundly unwise, and a person in a village in Africa with no education might be much, more, much wiser. Indeed, there is danger that in precisely the multiplicity of his knowledge he will lose sight of what is essential. He can't see the forest through the trees. Now, it can't be more knowledge, but rather the synthesis of knowledge for living, sort of a godly street smarts. Uh, and that is, of course, why you can have a uh, person with a profound education that is profoundly foolish or unwise and a person who has almost no education that is profoundly wise. Um, And Andrew Arrington has that marvellous quote that was printed in in an ABC article a number of years ago and you can see that on page two. It sort of says what I just said a moment ago. Working well with employees who are difficult, that's going to require wisdom. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Managing kids, grandkids, at home and in the classroom, it's all about wisdom. How you speak and think about sex and desire, Uh, Greed and other matters, it's all about wisdom. Dating, who to date and when to date and when to get married. All about wisdom, when to break up. All about, in many ways, not always, sometimes it's about righteousness, often it's about wisdom. Making new friends is about wisdom, who to be friends with, especially as you get older, and how do you make friends and how do you influence each other for good. How do you gently restore a sister or a brother... Being online is, ironically, almost exclusively an issue of wisdom. I say ironically because we talk about the World Wide Web being this resource of knowledge. But, you know, in the end, it's almost entirely every single time you click, every time you click, social media, how do you make comments, how do you interact, the amount of time on it, what do you avoid, and there's plenty to avoid, you're using wisdom. Wisdom. That's the art of doing the right and appropriate thing in any given moment. Send me your amendments to such a definition. Secondly, what's it worth? And the answer is more than gold. This week and next week we'll make this point. More than silver. In other words, you could give me Fort Knox or you could give me wisdom and uh, I choose wisdom every day and twice on Sundays. You say, this is untested. You're right, it, it is untested. But, you know, if you think about it, there's a stack of people with millions and millions of dollars that make profoundly stupid decisions and leave a wake of pain in their, in their, uh, in their wake. And you can see it almost every day in the mags, uh, even if they're unfairly reported on, which I assume they are. Proverbs 16, verse 16, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? And so our passage today is fascinating because it's all about the pursuit of gold, it's all about the pursuit of silver, it's not really, it's about wisdom, it compares the pursuit of silver and gold with the pursuit of wisdom. Job 28 verses 1 to 12 is the first, most ancient description of mining techniques ever written. Doesn't that mind blow you? I've got to tell you, all your friends and colleagues and your neighbours who don't know Jesus or don't want to pursue the Bible, they won't get to. Re- well, they might not get to read this, but here you are, reading twelve profound verses about human ingenuity, people going to work and problem solving. But there's something more valuable. Job says, chapter twenty-eight, verse one: "There is a mine for silver and a place where gold was refined, where iron is taken and copper melted for." for, for uh, In other words, we could all go on an an excursion to a mine or a risk assessment, what, two buses, and off we go uh, to a silver mine. And if we went there, uh, I guess if we went to a coal mine, you might find placards, but other mines, perhaps, you'll see uh, humankind at its most ingenious. Verse 3, mortals put an end to the darkness. In other words, they create light. Tallow lamps, which allows them to take risks exploring the furthest recesses for ore in the blackest, darkest. They go deep. Verse uh, 4, they invent abseiling. Far from human dwellings, they cut a shaft. In places untouched by human feet, far from other people, they dangle and sway. And there's abseiling right there. You've got someone above. Are they safe? Uh, They attack the rock looking for something of value. Here's the truth. You'll always dig deep when there's something valuable to find. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and that's hard to argue with. It's one of the reasons why you want to flee idols, to flee anything uh, uh, where you love something more than you love God. The truth about human beings, we can find sources of light where the sun will never shine, we cut shafts, we tunnel through rocks, we abseil, looking for something of value. By the way, this is what you do when you go to work, this one to eleven, I'm going to presume there are no miners here, literal miners. although at 9.30, it turns out there were two of them. I'm probably going to get a, an angry an email correcting me or something. But I'm going to guess that most of you are not miners, uh, certainly not gold diggers, not in the metaphoric sense or any other sense. And I'm going to guess that some of you are not fans of coal. I'll leave that uh, in your uh, thoughts. Uh, This passage is not about that, but you do go to work, you dig, uh, you find a thing of value, you problem solve, perhaps together in a team, on a project, you are ingenious at work and at home, you, verse 9, you assault the flinty rock with your hands. It's a way of saying, I go to work in the morning and I'm like, I'm at it. You do that with work, with industry, with problem solving. Maybe you don't, and that's part of the reason why you're thinking about changing work, because what you want to do is a, uh, attack a, fl- a flinty rock with your hands. You want to get up in the morning and say, I've got this thing to do. I've been down a mile or two as a tourist, and you get a sense of human skill down there, and it begs the question, why do we go there? Of course, where your treasure is there, your heart will be- you want the gold, you want the silver. You could also ask, why do we go to the moon? Why do we scuba dive, figure out how to get 30 metres, 20 metres under the Why do we go and look for a a Titanic, you know, or learn? How do we, why do we learn to fly people around the world in jets? I don't care what the scientists say, watching a huge chunk of metal lift off the ground is a miracle, as far as I'm concerned. And I don't care what you say about aerodynamics, it's a miracle, and I won't hear otherwise. You can see what human beings are capable of when they try to problem solve. It's part of the DNA that God has endowed us with. We're not just into survival like animals, but for digging for more, getting it more. Elevators are amazing. You just get in them and press the button. No. Astounding. Before elevators, we could only build as high as we were we prepared to walk, and suddenly six, seven, eight, ten, thirty 10, 30 stories. I mean, elevators, perfect. Otis, is that his name? Wow. God bless him. Uh, I live right near where the first elevator went up in Sydney. And I walk past it every regularly. And I, I thank God for you all who go out there and make elevators. It's amazing. God bless you. But it cannot be everything, this pursuit of gold or silver. Because we human beings have got a heart problem. And that's going to be clear as the year goes on. It can't be everything. We... For example, we build a television, amazing, and we fill it with drivel all day long. We build the internet and have, as one of its primary drivers, pornography. You think about that. We create Facebook, use it for bullying, build cameras, use them to spy on people. We build an aeroplane and then make the leg room this high and give people fish. It ain't right. Or you build an aeroplane and use it as a terrorist weapon. Well, how about this one? God comes to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and we string him up on a cross. That's us. Mining can't be everything. There's got to be something more. Blaise Pascal said of human beings, we are the glory and the garbage of the universe, created by God, special to him, made in his image, but so arrogant in our actions. Arnold Schwarzenegger said in the second Terminator movie, what a glorious display of human ingenuity that was. might watch it tonight. He has this moment where he says to young John Connor, you have it in your natures to destroy yourselves. That's us. Wisdom, verse 12, is everything. More precious than gold. Verse 15, its price cannot be weighed in silver. That's next week. We'll come to that. A mentor of mine once called wisdom part of a set of things called the great intangibles. He couldn't grab them, but they were the greatest things in the world. He, he called them the eternal verities, the truths that make sense of life. Wisdom, he said, belonged in a set, a bucket of things like grace and love and hope and peace. You see, um, divine love, transforming grace, a substantial hope that comes in the resurrection, the peace that surpasses all understanding, wisdom from above. These are things you can't buy, you can't earn them, you can't steal them, and no one can take them away from you. They can take the body, they can put you in jail. They make life worth living. They are the subject of every book ever written, every movie ever made, every song ever sung. It's the reason why Christianity which says there's a God who predates, by the way, the formulations of Christianity. There's a God who predates the creation of the world for whom love, grace, hope, peace, wisdom are sourced in him. We'll come to that in week three, and it means that Christianity is eternally relevant. By nature, relevant. Even if you come to church and think Christianity is not relevant, Are you saying divine love is not relevant? Are you saying hope, peace and grace are not relevant? We want wisdom, wisdom from above, not just information. Thirdly and finally, what lengths will you go to get it? Well, I hope you'll pull out all stops in a new and fresh way. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure wisdom. That's what we're going to learn in the next two weeks. In Job 28, mortals risk their lives... They put their mind to innovation. They go where no creature bothers to go. They invent things and problem solve. Look at verse 9 to 10. These things are about uh, mining, but they could equally be about wisdom. People assault a flinty rock with their hands. They lay bare the mountains. They tunnel through the rocks. Their eyes see all its treasures. They search the sources of the rivers to bring hidden things to light. That's what they do with mining. So verse 12, where can wisdom be found? Oh, what a great question. Where can understanding dwell? Where do I have to go to find wisdom? Now, we'll come to that next week. But I want to conclude by asking if this is true about the value of wisdom, then what next? Well, I love the idea that we learn to say to each other in 2020 as a community how can we grow in wisdom here? How can we be wiser in this moment? Somebody comes to you and says, This is my situation. And you can say to them, let's talk about what it means to be wise then in this moment. I love the idea that we challenge each other more, we're too soft with each other. Do you think that the thing that you're doing is a wise thing? Yes or no? And if no, then what would a wise decision be? God defines wisdom and determines what is wise. He defines wisdom in his being, that's an ontological sort of question, And he determines what is wise and he demonstrates it in his promises fulfilled in Jesus. Look at verse uh, 23. We'll look at this in two weeks' time. Um, Look at verse 25, actually. When God established the force of the wind, measured out the waters, made a decree for the rain and cut a path for the thunderstorm, right? When the God who made the world, he then also, at the same time, crafts wisdom. It predates uh, the creation of matter. And like a master craftsman, uh, a... um, a carpenter before a piece of furniture. He looked at wisdom and he appraised it, he confirmed it, he tested it, God sat on it. And knowing the value of wisdom, he then tells us what wisdom is. He said to the human race and to Church Hill, in particular tonight, in the power of God's Holy Spirit, he said to the human race, the fear of the Lord, you don't fear God, you can't be wise. We're going to explore that in the coming weeks. The fear of the Lord, that's wisdom. To stand in awe of Him, to know your place, to know that I am but dust, loved dust, will be raised again in the resurrection dust, but before a holy God. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil, to shun evil, that's understanding. And so we'll need challenge and we need encouragement. We need the power of God's Holy Spirit. We'll need to have a biblically balanced, thick, philosophically rich understanding of how life works, and I'm committed, I hope, with you to this process, hoping to learn this year and each year. But if I can use that sort of metaphor of mining here, we need to assault the flinty rock with our hands when it comes to wisdom. We need to find the problems, where are they, and attack them, not with haste to make mistakes, but with considered thought in community and in the power of the Holy Spirit, but also at the same time, not with a lackluster spirit, but with hearty desire. That's why you assault the flinty rock with your hands, pursuing wisdom. We need to not just assault the rock, but lay bare the mountains, meaning get below. Not just to find gold and silver, but to find wisdom, to get below things, to their roots, to their essence. Why do I love this thing so much that I'm addicted to it? You need to get below to find the sin, beneath the sin or the idol, uh, beneath the thing that you're doing and ask yourself the question, who is God and what does he mean by this thing and how can I move forward? We need to lay bare the mountains. But we also need to, with you, we want to tunnel through the rock and find not silver, not gold. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you. Acts chapter 3 or 4. We want to find answers to our complex questions, tunneling through the rock and find power to act wisely In the end, we want God, we want to put an end to the darkness and find light. And so, mostly, we want the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the message of Christianity, we find that it's not our pursuit of Him that ultimately matters, but His pursuit of us. He assaulted the flinty rock, He laid bare the mountains, He put an end to the darkness. Ultimately, God showed us wisdom not by a textbook not by a self-help program, uh, not by affirming your dreams and desires, not by an education, not ultimately, and certainly not by a guru who claimed to know the path to wisdom and was going to show it to you and ask you for a buck along the way. God showed us wisdom by showing up. He came down. Wisdom came down. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not put it out. He came down in the person of Jesus Christ want to know God, who is supreme wisdom, get to know his Son, Jesus Christ. That's why the New Testament says that Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. I take it, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, as the Proverbs say, Christ is the end of wisdom, the fulfillment, the goal of wisdom. For wisdom, we are going to discover is a person. Ah, surprise, we live in a relational world, not an informational one, not an economic one. Wisdom is a person, wisdom is found in Christ's words, Christ's actions, Christ's life, Christ's cross. Take the bread and the wine, maybe even for the first time as a follower of Jesus Christ, because there on the cross we find the epicenter of all the eternal verities, the great intangibles, divine love, forgiveness, mercy, justice, ultimately, and hope and indeed wisdom. God, amen, God has shown us the way. Let me pray. Father, we uh, want to assault the flinty rock with our hands. We um, want to lay bare the mountains, uh, get right to the heart of things, uh, both in our life and, um, and in the world in which we live. Uh, we want to tunnel through the path. We desire to put an end to the darkness. and. In doing so, Father, we want to know Jesus Christ, our Lord. We want to know wisdom from, the, from above. We recognise it's also a discipline, an activity, and I pray that in 2020 you might show us the way and the truth and the life. Show us Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.